Hello and welcome to Desert Isolation Discs. My guest today is a radio producer of notoriety, a DJ you can rely on to spin the right tune at the right time, and a man who wears a flat cap that reflects his musical wisdom. He's a crucial part of making Six Music increasingly the BBC's music radio flagship and fought hard to save the station from closure. When his cans aren't on, he's known for his exploits in Lycra as an obsessive cycler, his love of the tricky trees and all things Nottingham. He is T-Bone, Mr Tom Wally, and today he's my guest on Desert Isolation Discs. Hello Tom. Hello, you Reds, uh, <laughs> which I have to say, every time anyone mentions Forest, I have to say that, it's Absolutely. in the contract. And we're sat here, I mean, I can't help but see the, gl- <laughs> the, gl- the glint of your award. So before, before you arrived, I thought, oh, I'll make this look like I'm a proper media person, yeah. and I actually rearranged the, my desk where I work, where I sat in my, in my room at the moment. Um, this award that is in front of you, though, that normally mm. I live in the living room, and I thought, <laughs> just for Alex's benefit, I'll just move it into the, into the office to today so he sees it. That's uh, an award I won for my production skills. Uh, a minor trinket, <laughs> a very, very minor radio award, but I'm, I'm still proud of it. No, you should be proud. The Radio Academy uh, Best Music Entertainment Producer Award, um, and you work on the Huey Show on Radio City. And credit goes to, I mean, for this, for this award, I mean, when I put the entries together, I said, I said to, uh, to Huey and everyone, I said, you know, if the judges get this entry, because you put like 15 minutes worth of clips from your show, so if mm. the judges get it, then we're in with a good chance of getting something. Uh, but it depends who the judges are. Because I had a there's a there's a piece in in the in the entry that was an interview. In fact, it started with it. It was an interview with Prince Fatty, the dub producer. <laughs> but I, the interview was all done in dub, so it was all <laughs> echoey and sound and wind. I was like, you know, if the if the if the uh, if the judges are high, then I am definitely winning this. Yeah. Um, and look, yeah, luckily, luckily they kind of they got it. So maybe they were having a blaze or something. I don't know. Great stuff. And so we've cast you into the desert for, for the purposes of choosing your eight tunes. How did you approach it? I mean, I just saw you crate dig most of them. And uh, well, what's your first choice as well? Well, basically, I, I approached it uh, late because I didn't know what I had to do. You were, you were already in my house when I asked you, <laughs> do I have to pick some music? Uh, and I went to my trusty vinyl store. Um, so I thought all, all my favourite records will be on vinyl because if I haven't discovered them on vinyl... I'll have since bought them again and had them on vinyl. That mm. tends to how, how I go. Um, but I wanted to have everything on vinyl. And not to play it off vinyl, but just um, so it's a nice kind of prop to hold you know, in front of me as I'm mm. doing it. I, I'm a prop comic. So the first uh, record I've gone for, I just love this. So the LP is called Mark of the Beast. And then below that, there's a kind of little, it just says 666. Uh, and it's by Willie Hutch, who I think is one of the most underrated artists on Motown ever. He was a, songwriter there i think and a producer um this came out it's got i think it's mid 70s i think it's 75 i'll have to check and it's a slept on album people don't really know it um it's got nothing to do with satan at all <laughs> although i don't know why the, uh, i mean i suppose it's kind of a turbulent time in america's history um but it's, an, it's just as you know i found this at my grand's house uh, we were just going through some old records that were there and everything was classic Grand stuff, you know, some Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. This one just jumped out at me. I said, why has my grand got this Mark of the Beast record? <laughs> and uh, it's just when I was getting into to, to vinyl myself, and I took it home. And it's a belter, and I think I've played it. You can see how bad it is. I think I've played it at every DJ set I've ever been. And I, I played a track off this on the QE show the other day, <laughs> and I didn't realize how scratched the vinyl was. So I, was like, I was playing it out, I was thinking, God, this sounds dreadful. You could hear one particular dirty spot come round, <laughs> like, periodically, 
Don't. Even Huey spotted it. But, uh, you know, I suppose that adds to the magic. Uh, but the track I'm going to play for you uh, is the one that you will know off this album, because, pl- like I say, I played it at every DJ set I ever do. Mm. Um, it's a track called Try It, You'll Like It. back in the room with Mr. Tom Wally. Uh, so, Tom, you mentioned there you're DJing out. How do you approach DJ? Can you remember your first set? I do, I do remember my first set. Uh, my first set was for a guy called Anders, who, you know, he's been on this podcast. This mm. podcast. Uh, Anders and I uh, went on to form a record label together. Mm. We did some great nights, but we, Hello Thor Records was born out of our friendship. Um, I met Anders at... Actually, I met you through Anders, actually. And I, but I met Anders through my podcast, Not in Nottingham, uh, which I used to do back in Nottingham, where we'd play Nottingham-centric music uh, and do other things. Tell, tell the listeners, what were your best features in the podcast? So, uh, the feature- had, I mean, this is a legendary podcast. Every You're link. playing it, Tom. It's absolutely fantastic. You are the biggest fan in the world of this podcast. I am. <laughs> Weirdly. <laughs> uh, the only one. The best thing about the, the podcast is we had... a, a Almost, I mean, the best thing about doing radio production is features, right? Coming mm-hmm. up with features and coming up with names for them. I think that podcast almost had a feature every other link, or <laughs> maybe every link. So we had one called Science Outside, where we, well, basically, because I was clever enough to work out how to fix up a phone through the <laughs> desk, I realised we had to use, find some way of using the phone as part of the podcast. So <laughs> I just sent my mate Spencer outside. To was do he a, literally outside? He'd go outside and we'd, he'd phone in. My Two of my favourites were, can you cook your dinner in a kettle? Yeah. And that's how we just put a load of stuff in a kettle, boiled it and tasted it. It's like <laughs> gravy and beans and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but my favourite ever one was, uh, it's not even really scientific, but it was, what's better, Halloween or bonfire night? You know, they're really close together. <laughs> and the, the way we did that to find out is I just, I got a pumpkin and we filled it full of fireworks. <laughs> we took that outside and lit them. And it was, I mean, it was so ridiculous. But uh, there's what, just bits of flaming. Well, obviously fireworks won because the pumpkin was no match for all the 15 quid <laughs> worth of fireworks put in it. But there's the bits of like, there's air bombs going off inside this pumpkin and bits of flaming pumpkin flying around onto roofs. What other features did we have in that, sh- in that I show? I mean, the, the main thing that you did was cram as many people into what sounded like quite a small room yeah. and then just, uh, you know, have them hanging out on the sofa it's and then just sort of lean towards the desk. The, you kind, know, of thing, the, the kind of thinking behind that was basically we had a big team, mm. but it's because basically every member of the team owned one piece of equipment that was essential to the podcast. What's your next record? So the next record, so uh, this again goes back to our days uh, in Nottingham. And if anyone's ever been there, uh, sadly it's gone now, but there was a great record shop called Anarchy Records. Still brilliant for record shopping in Nottingham, but Anarchy Records was my personal favourite. 
they always had a great turnover of records and they sold them cheap. So every week, load of new stock and it would fly outdoors and then something new the week after. And I lived around the corner, actually. In fact, I didn't live very far from where from you, Market mm. Park. Uh, so on a Saturday, it was kind of my first stop every Saturday morning. But this record... I didn't get from there because they wouldn't sell it to me in there. <laughs> what they did is they lent it to me because there was a really, they were, it was the antithesis of other record shops. They'd actually lend you stuff that they wouldn't sell you. <laughs> uh, like, exactly like a library. So this record, um, it's a by a band. I mean, I don't know why um, they decided that I would like this, uh, but it's by a band called Team Dresh. And if anyone knows Team Dresh, they were kind of a all girl, uh, queer core, right girl kind of, hardcore punk band uh, the album's called personal best and it's if i was ever to do a kind of um a, a theme of a collection of albums it's albums where people are doing sports on the cover <laughs> that's one of my favorite genres and th- in this they're about to start uh, some kind of sprint mm-hmm. they're in athletic clothing a lot of track and field stuff going on it's just so pure it's kind of kind of innocent kind of pure it's very angry very angsty um and it just takes you back to that kind of that kind of perfect period uh, in the 90s, um, it's a little bit slacker. Everything's just a bit cooler then. Uh, it came out in 1994. The track I'm going to play you off the album, again, really, really hard. Um, I'll, I'm going to play you this track called Hate the Christian Right. Absolutely brilliant stuff there, Tom. So, as you were saying, your love of Nottingham, and for, you know, for a long time you were Mr. Nottingham, mm. uh, and that included working for BBC Radio Nottingham. How did you get the gig there, and what kind of stuff were you You were doing some quite interesting stuff while you were on there. I, d- I did everything when I was on that station, and you know, it's kind of, at the time, I mean, I, 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 I lecture in radio these days as well as producing, and I, at the time, was desperate to get out, and the longer the kind of the period of, of being away goes on i kind of the fondness for it for it grows i kind of miss it a little bit um so in local so yeah bbc nottingham so i kind of got started on a show called the beat Mm. which is still going now on bbc nottingham derby lincoln and leicester on a saturday night six till ten and that is an old show kind of born out of the the old sort of it kind of came on air when it was the rave days really Mm. and it was a kind of contemporary youth program Mm. since it's really grown up and now it's part of the BBC introducing kind of strand mm. uh, but it was doing what introducing does uh, a long time before that and so I kind of got started answering the phones on that show mm. and I then I co-presented it produced it did all sorts of festival coverage from there uh, so on a, particularly across the summer most weeks I was out somewhere in the country or in the East Midlands at a festival mm. um, I'd go out and interview bands and that sort of stuff and from there they kind of brought me into the kind of mainstream of Radio Nottingham, so mm. I'd do the morning show, produce that, drive the radio car, uh, 
do I did all well, some of my favorite things. Once I had to drive the BBC Nottingham car in front of the Nottingham Marathon, <laughs> which is really good. And I mean, the point, I mean, you don't know how stressful that is because actually it's really hard to keep a constant speed. What speed were you at? Quite fast. And every time, every time again, like got, I had a, a, a presenter in the back facing backwards to commentate on the race. Yeah. And every now and again, he was like, "Step on it," because they were kind of coming up the side of me, overtaking me. Like, Shit. <laughs> Well, my favourite bit was we just got to home Pierpont, the National Water Sports Centre in Nottingham, mm. and the, the the commentator just had to go go pull over, and he just threw up, just like, <laughs> like just my erratic driving. Because uh, well, he was facing backwards. Facing backwards and commentating, and I was driving erratically, and that was good. Um, but my, the, the kind of crowning moment uh, of my Ready Nottingham career was a feature called Where's Wally, devised mm. by Dean Jackson, and we would do it every bank holiday Monday. I would be blindfolded put in a taxi and then just dumped somewhere in the county with about two quid to my name and I have to make it back before the end of the show <laughs> uh, using the public to guide me back. To dis- I mean, genuinely, I would not know where I was. Uh, the public yeah. would help guide me back. Um, occasionally, people would, like, offer me lifts. Weird, you so know? Pe- people, these were people who were listening in who sort of yeah. must have guessed where you were? Or? Yeah, people would come and find me, help me out. Did you say, what? I, all I can see is this forecourt? All, or I, can what? all I can see is a field most of <laughs> the time. I mean, most of the time it was normally a field. Uh, yeah, so, so, I mean, just endless kind of strange things happened. And that's kind of had a cult following, that feature. Like it's, <laughs> it's still people, I mean, I don't know whether people still reminisce about it now, but for a couple of years after I left, people still still missed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, and it's something, I mean, I, I kind of missed doing it, actually. It was That was brilliant. But it's that kind of thing about local radio where it's just... Um, you've just got no resources and you just make do with, with what you've got and it's brilliant actually. you know it's brilliant yeah. it's kind of stood me in good stead doing what I do now they glanced down saw your surname and had a feature before you'd even thought yeah about well it. again it was <laughs> Dean Jackson takes the credit for that Dean Jackson number behind the beat the man who kind of gave me my career really mm. it's, there's, you know without Dean Jackson I kind of wouldn't have done anything really um, so what's the next song you've got for us well I mean in no particular order I am going to pick I'm going to pick this one because it's the one on the top of the pile it's on a 45 uh, on the Shout label, you, again, you'll know this one very well because it's always what I normally finish with in a DJ set. Mm. I also played it. It was our friends, Anna and Nathan, when they got married, mm. they had this song, I think, as they walked down the aisle, I think, as they were leaving. And I also played it for them uh, in this DJ set. Yeah. The song is uh, it's Freddie Scott. It's called You Got What I Need. Most people know it best from the Bismarcky version, yeah. uh, Just a Friend. But... Um, Beautiful, beautiful record. I'm going to get married probably in the summer, and uh, this one will probably feature heavily at my wedding. So, yeah, enjoy this one. So, for all you old romantics.
that was the inimitable Freddie Scott there. Uh, so, Tom, you gave us a glance into uh, BBC Radio Nottingham, uh, but now you're uh, a pr- producer down here. You're, perhaps your biggest gig is on the Huey Show on Radio 6 Music. That's my only dependable gig. <laughs> Quite. Uh, give us an insight into how you put that together for the people who are sort of uh, budding radio producers. Uh, what's, how does the process work? Well, so, so the Huey Show on Six Music is kind of my bread and butter. I've produced it for probably four years now, from when it was on a Sunday afternoon to now when it's on a, mm-hmm. on a Saturday morning. Uh, same time I do, I'm a freelancer, so I produce any other show. I've probably done every single show on Six Music <laughs> and then some. Um, but Huey, kind of think it's my regular, my one regular gig. Uh, in terms of putting it together, it's um, it's quite easy for me. I mean, it's it's a, it's a funny one. Me, me and Huey really mesh really well, mm-hmm. music taste wise. Uh, I get to put some of the tracks into the show. Uh, Huey gives me a load of tracks, and I tend to kind of work on the order that we play them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I like to think because our, our music tastes are so similar, you can't tell where one begins and one ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and Huey's taste is fantastic, and that's why I love doing it. It's my, up there with you know Huey, Keris, Jarvis, Iggy Pop, my favourite shows on Six Music, mm-hmm. hands down, uh, musically. Um, and so I'm just I'm just so lucky to do it. So so normally Huey, you'll send me a bundle of tracks in the week. I'll put them together in a kind of order. Mm. It's changed ever slightly because now we have a few kind of we have play a few playlist tracks. On, mm-hmm. We have the six music playlists on Saturday, so play those. But I put them in the right kind of order that I feel. Um, I'll chuck Huey a few new releases, see what he's digging. Mm. You know, suggest sort of a few to him. Uh, put them together. Then I kind of work around. Um, picking some of the features. So we have a thing called digging in the crates where we we've been buying vinyl. Mm. And the listeners each week suggest another vinyl to go in that collection, mm. but on a theme. So I'll put, I'll think of the theme, mm. and then uh, pick the record. Um, and it's always one that me and Huey dig. Yeah. Uh, the other stuff. So and, and I try to make sure there's a good because all the new records get sent to both me and Huey. And I, you know, today in fact was my day of going through new records. So mm. kind of, I'm the first stop in filtering out all the junk. Yeah. And then I put the good stuff in there. Mm. Fact, you're, you're playing to a very broad audience on a Saturday morning. Um, but we also like to take them on a little, you know, uh, you know, we can play slightly riskier tracks. And I like that you'll uh, throw in some Nottingham stuff as well for us. And also that Huey references you a lot. You know, he's, he's not taking all the credit. No, no, Huey does reference me. I mean, sometimes I, I cringe. I think, you know, don't reference me on the show, Huey. It's, this is your show. Don't reference me. Because there's, there's a thing he calls the Tebow and Trifecta <laughs> on the show every week, which basically I put kind of three... To give it, rather than just be a show where it's play a record, that was, this is, that mm. was, this is... Mm sort of mixed together three records that mix properly mm. and he, he, you know he gives me credit you know i think d- d- don't, no one cares who t-bone is you know <laughs> no one cares just be huey show you know i don't care you can take all the credit yeah. if you want it but no he does I and mean, you know we do we kind of trust each other and we mm. dj we dj together you know we yeah. do we often do back-to-backs together we did glastonbury and mm. uh, my favorite one was the one we did i think you, you might have been there at the big chill house uh, no, I didn't. You were, uh, that was. I mean, we did that. We supported um, Hackney Colliery Band and yeah. for Wawa Forty Fives, and me and Huey DJed just back to back for an hour, and it was absolutely mega. And like, you could think it's like normally when it's back to back, there's some kind of there's quite a bit of collaboration, but normally it's like. Huey plays something so disruptive and I just have to follow him. Like, he'll play like some body count or something like that. And it's great. It to- totally changes the way you look at your record collection and how you use it. Um, so, I mean, Huey's just a, a great person. But what you hear on the radio is just genuinely how he is mm. in real life. He is um, he's absolutely mega. And I'm so, I was so lucky to get landed with him. And it was, it was in a real weird time for me because I was about to... Um, 
my contract at Six Music had ended mm. and I was supposed to go back to Radio Nottingham. And then the Huey job came up kind of that week. So I actually moved from my house in London back to Nottingham for a week yeah. and then came to London and moved back into the same house and put everything <laughs> back where it was and then just started with Huey. Uh, but I don't take it for granted. And it's testament to you. Uh, so what are you playing back-to-back with the Freddie Scott then? <laughs> uh, back-to-back with the Freddie Scott. So again, this is, this is a true sound clash. This might go... Uh, I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit. So um, one of the things that I really, really love musically is disco. Mm. Got a huge love for disco. Kind of came about from, again, takes me back to Nottingham days, but through, um, who's at my door? Hang on, I'll get this. We'll, we'll pick this back up. <laughs> Interviews at the door, Tom. Who's at my door? I bet it's Sizzo. Is it you? I'm doing an interview. I'm in the middle of an interview with Alex. Oh shit, it? Yeah. Oh god. Hi. Hello. 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 Yeah. Oh, we're, in the, we're in the middle of a take. I was about to introduce a track. Right. All the cats are home. Good. Right. right. Okay. Is that your main job of the thing? <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, so disco is kind of my. Uh, it's a love I kind of picked up in Nottingham, and this is one. Um, that I love. You always know it's quality, quality if it's on the Prelude label. Um, I'll buy anything on that label. Uh, this track uh, is by um, France Jolie, um, and she is French, I believe. Um, and there, oh, is she? Yeah, she is French uh, or Spanish. Who knows? But anyway, <laughs> basically, I know that because there's an English language version of this track, and right. then a. French, no Spanish version of this track is the other is on the other side, uh, but the track is called "Gonna Get Over You," and it's just a beautiful piece of uh, Camp Disco. We've we've heard about your early days, but tell us about your early early days. First of all, wanted to be a footballer, wanted mm. to play for Forest, mm. wanted to be Stuart Pearce, basically. Then uh, I realised that I was just I was very very small in those days, and like you know, in the old days of football, if you were just if you were just small, they're not interested in you. <laughs> so then it, then it was music. So I learned the mm. guitar, and I wanted to be in a band. What band would you have ideally wanted to be in at that point? What band? In those days, I probably wanted to be in like Metallica or mm. and then Oasis, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, uh, and and then uh, kind of beyond that. Then, but also, you know, I was I was definitely interested in radio. Radio is not something I kind of did accidentally. I definitely mm. wanted to do it from about. I think going back, it's weird. I I used to listen to a lot of Radio One in those days, and I loved everything. Uh, I loved Chris Evans' Breakfast Show. It was brilliant. Uh, Mark and Lard. Uh, on, their, on their 10 o'clock show at night was absolutely mm. fantastic Collins and McConey's hit parade was was brilliant there were just so many great things mm. on, on Radio 1 those days but saying that I never ever listened to John Peel mm. and it's a funny thing about kind of a lot of our generation like John Peel is you know, held in such high esteem mm. but I don't think a lot of us actually listen to him it's, <laughs> those, it's like that Sex Pistols gig that everyone <laughs> yeah. in at Manchester that everyone claims they're at Tom is son who's a DJ who I know really well mm. um, I've told him many times that I never listened to his dad and he's kind of 
kind of thinks that most people are the same as me, really. <laughs> most people in radio are just lying. <laughs> and you wanted to be in front of the mic at that point or behind it, you know, when you were starting out? I think I wanted to be in front of the mic, mm. yeah. Uh, and I don't mind being in front of the mic. You know, I've done podcasts and stuff. Um, but what I, you know, what I wouldn't want to do now, I've seen it, is be, on, be in front of the mic every single day. I mean, it's hard being a producer who produces a show on every day. Mm. But presenting a show on every day... You have bad days when you just don't want to talk to anybody, yeah. you know, and how, how you go on air and, and, and talk on those days. Um, obviously, you can just play a lot of music. It's the best thing. But um, so it's, it's, that, it's that funny thing. It kind of brings me around to something I'm going to do. At the moment, we're going to start a new podcast. Mm. Myself and uh, John Hillcock, who's a presenter on XFM and Amazing Radio and Six Music. Um, and it is basically, essentially, it's John Hillcock meeting other DJs because... DJs are a strange breed of people, and there's a there's a lot of paranoia because you're never you're never very comfortable in the slot that you're on on radio. <laughs> there's always someone else trying to get it off you, yeah. or you're always at the you know the mercy of uh, ratings and that sort of stuff. Uh, and if someone like John and John, you know, John's kind of one of those jobbing DJs that's been around all sorts of stations, and um, his his thought is that he's never met a happy DJ. <laughs> and it's, there is a kind of there is a slight melancholy behind. Most DJs, there's a, there's a, there's a, it, it takes a strange character to yeah. do that kind of job. So have you played your next tune on the radio? Do you know what? I think I have played it once. Mm. You don't hear it on the radio very often. And I do remember when I played it, because I played it... Um, remember when there was the, the, in the London... I think it was in the London riots. Was it part of the riots? Anyway, there was the uh, pious fire at the mm. factory. Mm. Remember, it burnt a lot of stock. Yeah. And some of the stock belonged to a label called Polyvinyl. Um, who they, they're their distributors Pius are their distributors over here I think mm. um, so I thought oh we'll do something on the radio Tom Ravenscroft was presenting that weekend we'll do something on the radio we'll play a track from a connected label and I chose this um, it's just an album I come back to and um, it's by a band called American Football don't mm. know if you've ever heard of them uh, the album's called American Football they only ever made one album and they made it in 1999 uh, they're actually reforming at the moment to do some gigs the first gig's since then really that this this album is just absolutely perfect it's so 90s emo <laughs> not in the kind of emo that you, it kind of came to be but it's there's a lot it's kind of um post-rock mathy a lot of time signature changes very emotional i mean you look at the, the song titles are I'll, I'll see you when we're both not so emotional um you know i should be leaving soon but the regrets are killing me. So real classic emo <laughs> titles. Uh, but the track I'm going to play for you, it's the opening track on the album, uh, and it's just an absolute killer track. It's called Never Meant. So, yeah, American football, never meant. Great to hear you embracing American sports, uh, a former softball player yourself as well. So, uh, classic, let's, uh, let's have a listen. <laughs> American football back in the room with T-Bone picking out his eight tunes that he couldn't live without 
Um, Tom, I mentioned you're DJing then. How do you uh, how do you approach a set? And when you're in the middle of it, do you, are you really are you one of those ones that's you know you're absolutely into it, or you're in the zone, or uh, you know I've seen you in action. You're able to uh, chat to the chat to your adoring fans. Uh, Tom is one of the premier DJs of Craft Nights, uh, <laughs> having been uh, a partner with me in uh, both Jumpers for Goalposts and Come Get Felt Up, the Nottingham and London respective craft uh, and gig nights. Mm. Uh, but how, yeah. How do you approach it? Well, the good thing about craft nights is for the start of it, people are just making stuff. So you can play whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Um, and you can try out records. I mean, like, coming back to it, I mean, I kind of, you know, I don't think we ever finished that question, but, you know, I got started DJing through a friend of mine, Anders, through the podcast. Mm. He listened to the podcast and he asked me to DJ. Mm. And I just made a CD and did it. Just records I wanted to play that I thought would yeah. sound good. And from there, I kind of accidentally became a. I did some. De- I've never called myself a DJ really because I'm rubbish. <laughs> but like, I've done loads of gigs. I've done Glastonbury. I'm an absolute <laughs> chancer. I'm rubbish. But I've got a good collection of records. Yeah. Um, so and then we start. We started something called Yeah, I'll play it later, which mm. is just three of us started as a, a DJ collective as a joke. And then someone booked us. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, not, we're not real. And then um, so- we should have a moment of appreciation for that name. Yeah, I'll play it later is absolutely great uh, doctrine to live by as a DJ. And you know, they were, they were the greatest DJ nights. So there was, in the end of this, it swelled to about six different DJs, each playing a kind of specialist subject of their, their kind of chosen genre. We had jazz and reggae and mm. all sorts of stuff. And then, but the end of the night would be the best bit where we'd all play one record each. It'd just be <laughs> absolute carnage. And I just, you know, they were, they were brilliant. So, but in terms of putting together a DJ set, um, in the, I mean, it depends. I mean, where I'm, where I'm playing and what I'm doing. The stuff that always works, the funk and soul stuff. Mm. I always try and get away loads of disco. And disco's hit and miss, actually. Sometimes it, the crowd don't want to hear it. And I, I've, I've always struggled with that. You know, unless you're playing a dedicated disco night, people expect to hear it. Yeah. Or you're playing a good sound clash sort of thing. Uh, it can... It can uh, the, particularly the rarer disco, it doesn't always go down well. Perhaps I'm using it in the wrong way. Um, but always keep it funk and soul. And the great thing about funk and soul records, particularly the motown kind of stuff, is it's short mm. and everyone knows it, you know. Yeah. And it's the same thing with putting together a radio. Honestly, doing the DJ gigs has really helped me when it comes to now having to schedule radio shows mm. because you have to use that combination of familiar and unfamiliar tracks and how best to spread them out and use them. Um, you know, people respond to, you know, on a radio show, you play a familiar track out of the news or at the top of the hour. Those those kind of big junctions are at the back of a trail. Yeah. And that keep, that gives people that little bit of comfort. And mm. then you can play something slightly that you might not definitely know. And then you can get rarer and then you bring them back. So your equivalent of the news is when you nip to the loo in the middle of your set, is it? That's, yeah, yeah. That's that's my equivalent <laughs> of the news. Or when you get up to do a speech or something, yeah, you know, oh, that's yeah. when I mean, we're doing the competition giveaways. Too. Far too frequent. Um, uh, so, yes, yeah, so that's that's how I put together a DJ set. Um, always, always, always it has been that I will only ever do it off vinyl. That's always been my kind of rule, getting harder and harder to do. Though, like, I why? Mean, just, it's so heavy. <laughs> we, did, we did Glastonbury this year, and, and Sizzo, my other half over there, had to help me carry records. And it was just so heavy, carrying well, records you, through I mean, mud. when you've got muscle like that, then no problem. She is the muscle. <laughs> She's just come back from the gym as well. Which, you know, look, at look, at the, look at the guns. So, yeah, so, I mean, so actually I could, you know, I could see a time now uh, where I don't necessarily play all vinyl but also it's just because the nature of my job has changed now i get sent a lot of stuff digitally Mm. um, rather than going out and buying it Mm. um it's a shame just not to play that stuff so you know maybe but um yeah doing it off vinyl has just been it's just way more fun when you're doing it really i think 
Um, so what's your next tune? Okay, right, next tune. Uh, so I did mention earlier on, um, I'm going to keep it sad for now. I've, I've really badly, <laughs> talking to scheduling records, I've scheduled these so badly. <laughs> um, uh, basically, right, so what we're going to do now, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, it's quite a sad record. Uh, fans of the film Groundhog Day will enjoy this record. It's one of my absolute all-time favourites. Originally, it's a country and western record uh, that Ray Charles got hold of and did a great version. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm getting married later this year, and it's the kind of kind of it's one of those songs I think I'd love to feature at my wedding. But actually, it's um, it, although it sounds romantic, it's actually quite a sad story. It's a, one of unrequited love. Um, but uh, in Groundhog Day, it seemed to work well enough. But um, the track is uh, it's by Ray Charles, I mentioned, um, and it's called "You Don't Know Me." You give your hand to me And then you say hello And I can hardly speak My heart is beating so And anyone can tell You think you know me well But you don't know me No, you don't know me No, you don't know the one Dreams of you at night And longs to kiss your lips And longs to hold you tight Oh, I'm just a friend That's all I've ever been Cause you don't know me So that was Ray Charles Tom, for those who happen to be gliding around the streets of North London, they may be lucky enough to see you quite a lot in Lycra these days because you are such a cycling enthusiast. What uh, draws you to it? And what do you think about when you're on the bike? Because you go for pretty long rides these days. Yeah, I mean, I do. A, a, you know, The other day we did 140 kilometres in the Chilterns, so it's quite long. Um, I like cycling. I came to it by necessity. You know, I've always ridden a bike. I used to do mountain biking as a kid. And moving to London, it was just a better way to get around. Um, and then quickly, I got myself, I tried a fixed gear, just, I said I'd never do it. And then, and then I realised I just wanted to try something different. So I'll try a fixed gear, I had a bike I wanted to convert, built up a fixed gear, and I just thought, oh, God, I love this. But what I noticed, um, through going to my local bike shop, going out on rides with them, I realised I was actually, I was pretty decent at it. Um, not not amazing or anything, but I'm decent enough to, to be, to take part in races and hold my own now um so i quite like that it's a, it's a i mean a lot of people find that when they're doing something an exercise like swimming or cycling that's when they have their best ideas and i think you know it's quite good it just empties your brain but i could just if just evangelize on how good cycling is like, <laughs> i mean it's so great you know save money going to work and stuff like that mm. um i'm fitter than i ever have been um in my life um the last couple of years um but like it's just great for me because I spend it gets me out of London every weekend. But also it's a great bunch of people. Like I mean, in my current club that I've ridden with for a while, so uh, Martin Fry from ABC, mm-hmm. <laughs> he is in my club. So I go, <laughs> you know, what a lovely fella. Uh, the guy from Gentleman's Dub Club, he's really? he's in my cycling club. Uh, there are various people from sort of uh, the cycling industry and people from cool brands like Rafa, um, some great writers and that sort of stuff. So it's a, yeah. uh, it's an interesting... It's funny, like, cycling, uh, a friend of mine uh, said... Um, he's got this quote that he's lost more friends to cycling than to drink and drugs combined. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it is... It's so true. It's true. It's so it does true. get... It does, t- it does tend to get, yeah. 
So you're all about the revolution. It's either records or wheels, something like that. So yeah, th- yeah, absolutely. You know, if I, I mean, do you know, what? I, I, if I can combine cycling and, and music, then I've then I've really hit, you know, really found my place. And I, we did, I did a Gideon Co show on Six Music mm. uh, from the Tour de France this yeah. year. He was he was at the tour in up in Leeds. And he played bike-related records for three hours. And I thought, this is it. I've done it. Worlds collided. The Venn diagram is perfectly central. (laughs) Everything fit aligned. So it was great. Absolutely. Beyond just the craft work. Uh, So what's the next record? Right. Well, I've done two kind of saddies. Mm. And what I've got left is one that is sad again. (laughs) And uh, one that is not sad but it's got some potty mouth language in, in his a hip hop record. So what you tell me what I should go for next. I think this one. This the hip hop. Mm. Okay, so uh I had to include some hip hop um in this. Uh I don't have thirty six chambers on vinyl, so I, I ignored the Wu Tang. Uh, for a bit, and there, there are so many uh, places I could go to. I did have Jay Diller in my hand, but I thought that's a little bit obvious. Had some Madlib, but I'm going to go for um, one of my favourite producers. Uh, she's DJ Premier, who mm. did this record. Um, it's kind of, do you know what? I mean, as as much as I love stuff like Illmatic and stuff, I think this is a great kind of companion to that. Um, it's, all the heads will know it, but. Um, Outside of that, it's not as well known, but it's by uh, Jay with the Damager. I think this came out in '94. Most of the records I'm playing seem to have come out in '94, and, and many, many tracks that I could play on this. Uh, but I'm going to go for one that we play on the Huey Show quite a lot. Um, it's uh, Jay with the Damager and My Mind Spray. <laughs> to your final choice but just before that where do you uh, you know are the uh, oh who's oh, ringing me now let's have a listen nice. that's my mum isn't it oh I'm sure it must be oh, unknown oh. not getting answered CPI see you later mate <laughs> go on well that hey. could that could have been the next juncture you know in your life but it could yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the sliding doors moment isn't oh it, you absolutely know? yeah if I had only picked that rather than listen to Alex no, I only deal with Snapchat these days <laughs> Uh, where are we going to see Tom Wally next? What's uh, going on? Well, um, long may the radio stuff continue mm. and more of it. I talked about the podcast of John Hillcock, yeah. which we're really kind of uh, enthused about. So hopefully we'll see that shortly. We're going to be kind of putting it together a bit like comedians in cars getting coffee. So we're going to record a season's worth of shows mm. and then make those season uh, pretty much you know one episode every week, six weeks, 
nice season then we'll do another season so mm. uh, that's the next thing um, yeah hopefully loads and loads more radio if I get my ass in gear I will do another podcast based around music which I present uh, it's kind of it's kind of a specific genre that I'm really interested in but I don't want to take the energy out of it because I, I might not do it. Yeah. You never know. Oh, we were um, close to a Desert Isolation Disc exclusive. Though. Yeah, nearly. Um, sure we'll I've got an idea. I need to put it together. <laughs> uh, you'll see me if you're any of you are in the London area and you're doing any bike races. You'll see me on the on the on the road and on the track. <laughs> uh, but also, if you, um, I'll probably do a lot more. Hopefully, a lot more university stuff. I really get a kick out of teaching radio. To, mm. it's, I just find it amazing that I can get employed by a university <laughs> to teach people. What do uh, they, they ask you, the students? What? The, Common well, I mean, the students, I mean, they're, they're, some of them, they don't, the funny thing is, if I was with Capital or One Extra, they'd know a lot more about what I do. They don't know Six Music, but the ones that do know Six Music, you can spot them a mile off. You can spot the indie kids around. In, um, You've probably in, got glasses like mine, right? Yeah, absolutely. Biss t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, so we've come to your final choice, Beta Breath. What is it, Tom? Well, final choice, uh, or it's kind of, it should be the final choice because it's the one I took the longest to find in my collection because uh, <laughs> it was misfiled. Uh, but I thought I should definitely play it. I wanted something in there that's... Uh, I wanted to show a broad kind of cross-section of what I'm into. And I wanted something that's vaguely Americana, mm. uh, vaguely from that golden kind of age of the late 60s, early 70s. Um, this is a record that everyone should own. Most people probably do. Uh, it's the Brown album, but mm. it's the band's debut album, the band. Um, and I, I came to the band quite late. Um I have a tendency to come to stuff quite late. Stuff like, you know, I've never listened to a David Bowie album. <laughs> like, I've never listened to a David Bowie <laughs> really? album. Really? Like, and, you know, but it'll always be there and I'll be able to pick it up at my leisure. Right. Same with uh, Tom Waits. I've never listened to Tom Waits' album. Huey's always banging on at me to wow. listen to it. Kind of, that'll always be there. Velvet, Velvet Underground is another one. I'll properly, I'll properly listen to them in my own time. You I know. see. You're so, saving a rainy year. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, but uh, the band is one that I've come to and uh, just... You know, I absolutely love. When you listen to it, have a think about the flaming lips as you're listening to this, because I feel like this is the blueprint for everything that the flaming lips did that I loved. Mm. And I, I was, I was, I wanted to include the flaming lips in my songs today. Soft Bullet in is one of my favourite albums of all time, but the flaming lips have gone, they've gone to a place now that I'm not really comfortable with. I don't. It seems to be a pastiche of what it used to be, so I'm not that comfortable with it. Still love them, but um, not that comfortable. Um, but this record, um, you could easily imagine Wayne Coyne singing it. Perhaps he has. Um, it's like those the best fractured moments you get on Soft Bulletin. Uh, so the track is the band uh, with Whispering Pines. i
come to the end of your eight tunes. We're casting you out into the desert. After... Do you know what? I completely forgot I was on a desert. <laughs> Maybe I should have mentioned it. I thought about it. Well, it's a, you know, it's a, you've, you've fallen there after a freak hang gliding accident. How do you think you'll cope? Uh, you, you say that you're okay on your own. I mean, with the isolation, I'd be absolutely fine, I suppose. But <laughs> my, my complexion is not ideal for the desert. That's, I've got to say... Uh, pure East Midlands skin. Pure East Midlands skin. So, you know, a cap will be essential uh, to keep the keep the heat off. Um, uh, yes, I, you know, I'm going to... Uh, hopefully, I mean, if, if you allow me to have these on vinyl mm. on the desert, then I can make some kind of rudimentary structure mm. out of the vinyl. Perhaps the house, uh, <laughs> and so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm all set really. Yeah, it sounds like, and, and you always wear a cap anyway, so that's fine. Always, always. Um, so we're very generous here on Desert Isolation Discs. We give you uh, the Tiger Who Came to Tea and the complete Red Dwarf box set, but we allow you another luxury item. Uh, what would you choose? Well, I'm looking forward to watching uh, Claire Grogan in Red Dwarf. That's fantastic. Good. That was. You know, I've got some kind of companion, uh, one of my earliest crushes. Um, so you, you give me another item, technically. Mm, that yeah. So uh, presumably you've given me the DVD box that you give me a TV to watch it on. I don't have to fine. request that. All, all That's fine, done. Yeah. Excellent. Do you know what? Well, it's going to be predictable, isn't it? I think, I think I'm going to take a bike. Very yeah, I'm going to take a bike. Which uh, one, though? You've which got four to well, hand. well, I'm thinking it's on sand, so I'm going to take a cyclocross bike. So something <laughs> with fat tyres, you know. Um, hopefully I can still connect to Strava and upload the data of my, my rides, you know. Presumably that there haven't been many people who've ridden in the desert, so I'd be setting <laughs> some of the personal best, some of the best, uh, some of the records for that. So, yeah, I'm going to take a bike because I can't think of anything better. And also hats. Am I allowed to have loads of hats? <laughs> well, we'll catapult you there with a hat on. So. At least a hat. Yeah. At least one core cool hat. Know, go wearing the clothes you expect to crash in. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, so I'll take so a bike. Setting, set, setting records and playing records. Perfect. And so if you had to pick one of the eight tunes to save from the, the burning crash, what would it be? Um, I'm going to take American football. Never meant, I think. Um, it's long, which is good. <laughs> Get my money's worth. Um, uh, but I think, you know, when I'm going to be on the desert, even, even though I am going to be lo- on my own and I you know, don't mind being on my own so much, I am going to miss a few people. So I want something with a little bit of sadness and, mm. and sentiment attached to it and something that makes me feel like the great thing about those emo records, they make me feel like I'm a teenager again riding around on my BMX headphones on and I could be in any American suburb, you know, and I could be dating Molly Ringwald. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to take American football with me. Fantastic. Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure to listen to your Desert Isolation Discs. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you, listener, for, for joining us. Uh, any resemblance to any other radio shows, Alive or Dead, is purely coincidental and uh, we'll hear you next time. I like how you thank people now. There's no chance anyone is still listening by this point. They've turned off. They don't like me. It's gone. No. But thank you if you're still here. <laughs>